part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Well, good morning, Cornerstone family. This is a little bit different this morning. I welcome you into uh, our sanctuary. Um, I'm here with Ricky and Sherry. Uh, Jude's there in the back. Carly's in the very back. And uh, that's it. (laughs) And so we're glad that you're able to be with us and that we're able to be with you. Uh, We want to tell you right up front that this first week is a bunch of rookies learning how to uh, use this technology. And so it's going to be a little bit rough this morning. Uh, And yet I am impressed so much by the knowledge and the ability that Sherry and Ricky have put into it. They have uh, just taken time to, to learn about this. So I'm appreciative of their talent and their ability and their willingness to learn. And we are on the, the beginning of the curve, the learning curve here. And uh, so, so you, you can be a part of this project with us. But let's pray together, and then we're going to jump right into the Word this morning. Father God, you are good. You're good all the time. Father, we say that not because it's a, kind of a catchy phrase and Father, certainly, uh, you know how we feel about bumper sticker theology, but Father, that is truth. That is an impossibility for you not to be good. That Father, 100% of the time, not 99.9% of the time, but 100% of the time, you are good. You are always good. And so, Father, as we go to your word this morning, as we continue on in the series of doubt, Father, we pray that your word would bring comfort to our hearts Father, that your very spirit would bring understanding to our minds. And Father, that even though we cannot be together together this day, Father, that uh, that you would bring us together. Father, something that you would do through your spirit so that we could have a service of our family together. So we love you. We thank you. And Father, we uh, thank you for your word that now we study and apply to our lives. We pray all this in the hope that is Christ. Jesus, amen. Well, if you'd open your Bibles to James chapter 1, James chapter 1, uh, a few weeks ago when we started this series, little did we know what would be transpiring in our world. We began to talk about the importance of having a proper theology of doubt, uh, just like we have a theology of suffering. What does the Bible say about that? So that when doubt happens, when suffering happens, that we know a biblical perspective, that we're able to, to be able to not just kind of think something, not just feel something, but we're able to know something. And um, so we didn't know that a couple of weeks ago, that we would find ourselves in a lockdown, not the ability to meet together, and that our world would be rapidly changing in front of us. And so more than ever, we really need to develop this theology of doubt, this biblical understanding that when doubt comes into our minds, how do we handle that in a biblical way? So open your Bibles again to James chapter 1, verses uh, five through eight. Let me do a quick review in case you weren't with us two weeks ago. Um, first of all, re- remember that all of us are going to go through doubt. You can love Jesus and want to follow Jesus just like Peter did and yet doubt. Remember that doubt can happen to anyone, anytime, anywhere. And we saw that in Matthew 14 a couple weeks ago. Peter loved Jesus. He would say that he loved Jesus more than all the rest of the disciples. And yet he exercised in tremendous faith as he walked on the water. But he also learned very quickly that the minute that he took his eyes off the Father or off of Christ, that he began to sink to the circumstances around him. And so this morning we're going to follow up on that because uh, 
if we're going to have this biblical perspective of doubt, then there's a couple of things we need to do. We need to have a strategy, just like a football coach and, or anybody in sports or anybody that has a, a methodology. We need to have an application or a way that we think about accomplishing something and especially having victory over something. And so this is our strategy. We, we found out uh, uh, two weeks ago uh, that one of the first things we needed to do about doubt is define it. And, and there's a thousand different definitions that you can use with doubt. Uh, the one that we, are, we will be working uh, with and kind of using as a, a foundation in our study is this, to lack confidence. Doubt is to lack confidence to consider other alternatives. And we define that as other believable choices. Remember, we talked about Genesis 3. We go back to the original creation of Adam and Eve and, and how they thought only one way. God said, don't eat from this tree. And they thought only one way about that. Don't eat from that tree. And yet the serpent came and the tempter came and introduced another thought. And all of a sudden they had a truth that they believed and all of a sudden a believable lie. Now remember, doubt itself is not sin any more than temptation is sin. Christ was tempted and yet he sinned not. Just because doubt enters into our minds doesn't mean that we have to act upon it. And one of the things that we're going to see in the coming weeks is what is the difference between doubt and unbelief? Doubt, every one of us, all Christians are going to have to deal with that, but we don't have to turn that into unbelief. But it does put it as precarious crossroads. When we begin to give a second or third opinion and we begin to weigh that, when God has spoken very clearly on something, we need to make sure that we kind of step back and that we understand how precarious that crossroads is. And that's what we want to focus on this morning. See, the second step in developing a biblical strategy, what we could say a theology of doubt, is that we have to understand the dangers of doubt. And today we're going to examine that the dangers that come with doubt. So if you have your Bibles open, uh, James chapter 1, a familiar passage maybe to some, and yet let's look at it very, very quickly. Uh, let me ask you a question, personal question. If somebody came up to you and said, you know, I think you're unstable, well, would you take that as something that, uh, uh, you know, would, you, would you take that as a compliment or would you probably take offense against that? I think most of if somebody came up and said, you know, <laughs> you're unstable, Bobby, I would take offense at that because I don't want to feel unstable. And yet look what the word of God says here that when doubt comes into our lives, look at the word that God uses to describe even the Christian because this is written to the the church there uh, that James is addressing. And he calls even the Christian who entertains doubt as unstable. James chapter 1 verse 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea and that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man. And do you see that last part? Unstable in all his ways. Now, the context of this is that James is addressing when we, a life when we face difficulties and trials. You know, when he said, consider it all joy when we have these trials, not because of the circumstance, but because of the maturity that God's going to do in our lives. He assumes that when we go through trials, that we want wisdom. If we took our current situation, I think one of the greatest prayers that we can pray right now to our God is, God, will you give us wisdom? 
Will you give us wisdom to know how to uh, deal with family life in a new context, how to deal with uh, even our, our community in new context? God, will you give us wisdom to know how to proceed from where we are to where you want to lead us? So to obtain wisdom is a smart thing. It's a wise thing. And, and James says here that if we lack wisdom, that we can ask God. And James starts with a promise. Look again at James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. And look at this declaration about God. Who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Now, I want you to notice that this is a promise, but it is a conditional promise because look at verse 6. In verse 6, we see a condition. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Then James applies this truth to us as we search for wisdom in verse 7 and 8. For the person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man unstable in all his ways. Now, I want you to notice here, as you look at the scripture, how James describes the man who entertains doubt. Again, we're all going to face doubt at various times of our lives. But when we entertain that, when we have that, we're at that precarious crossroads. We're at that place where there's two alternatives. And if we sit there and entertain this, look at how the Bible describes even the Christian. So it's number one, that we're like a wave. Tossed back and forth. Now, what tosses us back and forth? He says, the wind. One day you read in your devotion and you get strength and you feel confident in God's promises because the wind's blowing that way. You've been in God's word. Maybe you've had a great time of prayer. And so even though you're facing difficulties, even like in this crisis here, we begin to really have a confidence. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) you, you, you hear the news in the latest report and the wind blows the other way. Or maybe you have a confidence, maybe one of your worries through this whole thing is financially, how are you going to make it? You're already kind of really tight, and now they're talking about cutbacks, and your job may be cut back, and all those things. And yet you go to God's Word, and you begin to see in God's Word that He has promised that He's going to take care of you. And so the wind blows there because the Holy Spirit fills your heart and your mind with truth. And then later that day, you get two bills in the mail, and the winds shift because you look at your bank account, and you're going, there's no way I'm going to be able to pay this. Do you understand this wind that blows back and forth? It can be from God. It can be very much from the truth of his word. Or it can be from real circumstances that we're facing. So we're like a wave. The second thing he describes us as when we allow doubt into our lives and when it comes and confronts us is that we're double-minded. Two believable possibilities before us. That's where Adam and Eve were. Two possibilities. Do we stay away from the tree that God said to stay away from? Or or do we go ahead and and listen to this temptation that maybe perhaps the only reason that God said not to eat of that tree is because there's something in it for us. The last word that he uses there is the one that we've been talking about, unstable. And it's this instability that can spread how in all ways. When we allow doubt to come into one area of our life, it can spread throughout our life. Maybe it's just finances at the start, but all of a sudden, when we feel that insecurity and we don't feel like God is in control, it may not stop at our finances. It may go to other areas of our life. Doubt is like a cancer, or maybe in the context that we're seeing now, uh, like a virus. It may start in one place, but left untreated and unanswered, it spreads to other places. Turn your Bibles real quick over to Numbers 13. 
verses 27 through 31. Now, this is the account where the Israelites had been slaves in Egypt for years and years, many, many generations, hundreds of years. And God has promised to deliver them and rescue them. It's kind of a foretelling of what was going to happen with Christ as he would come as to rescue them. And part of God's rescue is to not only bring them out of Egypt, but into the promised land. Remember, we talked about last week about God doesn't just call us from something, but he calls us to something. So he's going to call them out of slavery and into a freedom. And this freedom is a land that is theirs. It's going to be a land of their possession called the promised land. Now, a key to this, to understanding the context of this particular verse, is that God has already promised them this land. You don't have to turn there. But, but listen to Exodus 6, 8, and listen to this promise of God. I, that is God's the one speaking here, I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. He tells Moses then to get a search committee together, to go out and spy out the land. He says, I've given you this land. It is already for your possession. And, and, but I want you to go get together, one man from each tribe. Let them be a man of authority, kind of a leader. And I want them to go out and spy out this land so that we can get a strategy of how we're going to possess it. And we find this in Numbers 13.2. Moses says, send men out to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone chief among them. In other words, these are strong men. These are leaders. These are already people that have authority in each of their tribes. And he says, I want you to send one man. I want them to go out and spy out this land. This land is theirs. This is the promise of God. And they are to get a lay of the land so they can come and take possession. Now they go out, they spy out the land for 40 days a familiar number in the word of God, and listen to the report that they give when they get back. Verse 27, Numbers 13, 27. And they told him, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. They brought back this huge, huge uh, samples of, of the fruit. And they said, It truly is what God had promised. This is a land truly that flows with milk and honey. They begin there with the promise of God, but look what happens very, very quickly in verse 28. In my Bible, in the ESV, the first word is however. In your translation, it may be the word but. They mean the same thing, same Hebrew word there. And look at the transition. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. They said, this is the truth of God. And yet, there's this doubt that has come into our mind. There's actually another believable choice here. It's not truth. It's not based on God's promise and truth. But it's believable because when we went in that land, there were some really big people here. There, they looked fierce. And then the wind started to blow. So Caleb, one of the twelve, along with Joshua, another one of the twelve, tried to assure them that God had already promised them this land. Look at verse 30, Numbers 13, 30. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, 
Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Now, Caleb is not saying that because he's just this fierce warrior. It's not, he's not saying that we have superior artillery. His confidence is that God has promised this land to the nation of Israel. So Joshua and Caleb are standing over here, and they're saying, God has promised it, we need to act upon it, and we need to act upon it right now. So here they are. Here they are with two believable options, one based on the promise of God, one based on human understanding. Isn't that where we find ourselves so oftentimes? The promise of God in his word that comes to us as his followers and as his children, and God just says, this is my promise to you. And we can claim that land, and yet every time that we try to take a step into that land, all of a sudden this worldly wisdom, this human wisdom, or sometimes distraction comes into mind. And that's where doubt comes from. God promises that he's going to take care of us, but all of a sudden we think that there's going to be layoffs at work and, and we're already making it again just week to week and all of a sudden we find out that, that maybe we're not going to have the money. And all of a sudden, even though God has promised this truth to take care of his children, we really begin to understand that maybe this is going to be a financial burden upon us. And you can take that to health, you can take that to relationships, you can take that to any element of your life where God has promised something And yet human life and human understanding, limited by circumstances, presents another believable choice. So what happened? Many of you might know because you you read this story, but for those that don't, and and just to re-familiarize for those that do, look at verses 31 and 32. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they, bought, so they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. In other words, he said, not only did we find a fierce people, but they were giants. And a little bit later, it says that we look like grasshoppers in their sight. Folks, that's when the cancer of doubt began to grow. Look what happens if we go over to Numbers 14. Look in the next chapter, verses 1 through 4. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or that we would have died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Well, there's about 10 sermons in that passage right there. Because so many things happen once doubt is brought into their lives. And as they begin to believe that road of doubt rather than the promises of God. I mean, there's some really normal things here. You know, they have concern about their wives and their children. They said, if we go into there, what's going to happen to our wives and our children? That's legitimate. And yet God has promised them this land. And so they ask this question, wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Now think about it. What was in Egypt? Slavery. Wouldn't it be better if we just went back to a life of slavery? See, that's where God has called us out of this slavery, out of timidity and fear, 
not to fall back into slavery of fear and doubt. And, and that's what makes this, as I often say, you know, so caustic in our lives and where it just kind of rubs our faith and the reality of our, our, our life when we deal with both the promises of God and his word and yet the strangeness of this world. And that's really kind of the uncertainty of the next couple of weeks, maybe even months for us, isn't it? There are real things that are happening. The coronavirus is a real thing. We don't doubt that. Just because we're Christians don't mean that we discard scientific evidence. And we know that it's spreading, and it's currently spreading pretty rapidly. And yet God has not called us into fear. He's called us to, into his word and to his promises. So here's what I want to leave you with this this morning. Understand the dangers of doubt. It brings a wavering, a wondering, and it can start to move in where we just abandon the call of God upon our lives. God had called these Israelites to go into the land and to possess the land that he had already given them. And yet what we find here is that they just want to go in, in the opposite direction or maybe even back to a life of slavery. Same thing can happen to us. Change the characters, change the circumstances, but the principle is the same. And that's why we need to bury ourselves constantly into the word of God and the promises of God. Uh, Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 and 26. The context of this is really important. Uh, Since we're not going verse by verse through a book of the Bible and we're doing a little bit more of what we'd call a topical series, we want to make sure that we always preach in context. So this is the Sermon on the Mount. By this time of the ministry of Christ, he had become quite popular. And in that popularity, there was a lot of people that just kind of were tagging along. And the sermon, believe it or not, was really Jesus drawing a line in the sand to see who truly had a believing faith. He had just told them in the verses before that you can't serve two masters. In other words, the two choices, you can't go in both directions. When there's the truth of God and there's perhaps a doubt based on believable law, he said you can't do both things. And so he gives a command, Matthew six twenty five and 26. Look at that first word, therefore. A transition. He, he uses this basis, you can't serve two masters. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Jesus confronts their doubts with godly truth. People see us this week, we're going to face a lot of winds of information. The number of coronaviruses, that, uh, cases that have increased, Um, perhaps even more isolation from our old normal, economic challenges. All of those things are are greatly unknown. We kind of see the direction that they're going in. And yet, with this constant wind that's coming with all this information, it's the wind of God's truth. Look at the birds of the air. I take care of them. Will I not take care of you? Are you not of more value than they? See, we can't stop the constant winds blowing about. But we can bury ourselves and we can follow and we can uh, just believe and trust 
and the promises that God has given us. And that's when our heart will be encouraged, and that's when our faith will be strengthened. Let's pray this morning. Father, we love you and we thank you. And Father, as we started this series on doubt, little did we know that two weeks later, that Father, we would be gathering in our sanctuary, just a few of us, and that we would be recording this message to go out to our folks in their individual homes. Father, there's been a lot of winds blowing left and right. And so, Father, in this time when there's so much unknown, Father, will you help us to focus, to hold fast to the known, that you are our Heavenly Father, that you have written our names on your hand. Father, that you love us, and Father, that we are more valuable to you than the birds, and yet you take care of their needs. Father, we don't know how next week will go or the weeks to come, but we will know this. Just as we sing before, Father, you are sovereign over us and you're with us through the fires, through the floods. Father, you're always with us. You will never leave us. Father, you have promised that you will never forsake us. So, Father, as we have doubt and we entertain that over these Next couple of weeks, Father, when we have godly truth and promises and yet we have worldly circumstances that, that bring fear and fright to our, to our minds, Father, ground us by your very spirit into your truth. Father, help us as we uh, are isolated that uh, maybe we have more time with our families and that we just train up our children to understand these truths in a more passionate and intimate way. Father, we love you and we thank you as we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.